Oh, hello there. Welcome to the Food and Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. That's my friend, Jeremy. This is the podcast where we investigate the intersection between food and movies. This week's movie, Jer, tell us. We're doing the, uh, I mean, it's Christmas time or holiday time, depending on sure how is. politically correct you are. Um, mm-hmm. And so we are doing the, I believe it's John Hughes uh Christmas classic, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Hell to the yes. Hell to the jingle bells. We are doing this goddamn movie. And by the way, in the war for Christmas, we are very much on the side of Christmas. We're pro-Christmas over here? You're Jewish, but you're still pro-Christmas, are you not? Hey, whatever whatever blows your dress up, celebrate it. Okay. All right. Listen, we, we, we write Christmas on our Starbucks cups. We, uh, we say Merry Christmas. We, we do what, if it, we're a very pro-Christmas podcast is what All we're right. saying here. We like it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Taking a stand early. Yeah. <laughs> Just run that right up the flagpole. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Christmas as a Jewish person, Jared? Did you go to the Chinese restaurant? Is that what you do? We used to. We used to. You did? To. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell a- us about it. Tell me about Jewish Christmas. I want to know the Jewish uh, experience of Christmas. I mean, there are two things open on Christmas for Jewish people. There's Chinese food. Yep. Uh, and also movies. So usually you would go to a Chinese restaurant and then catch a movie. Um, oh, yeah. And... When I was a kid, we didn't really do that. Like my family just, we were usually away or on vacation or something, right? So we, but when I was in high school and university, I had a group of friends, like a close group of Jewish friends. Um, and we would go and, and do that just because it was funny. Um, and we like Chinese food. Uh, nowadays. In, in Halifax you did? Uh, did we do it in Halifax? Usually I'd be back in Toronto. Oh, okay. Around Christmas. Was it the same was it the same Chinese restaurant every time? Would you uh, rotate them? No, there are a couple of ones that we all liked. So there are a couple of uh classic ones down in Toronto that we would go to. House of Chan uh is uh, is still there, I believe. It's it's north in kind of midtown north northern midtown Toronto. Uh mm. Ch- China House was across the street, but they got taken down. Uh, I think they had an issue with uh, food safety. Um, no, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh. there's like Lee Garden downtown. There are a bunch of there are so many different. Well, we tr- we have a Chinatown in Toronto, which yeah. is just yeah, yeah. So we would do that and then go catch a movie. Um, and that's pretty much Jewish Christmas. Was there any kind of memorable? Jewish Christmases for you where it's like you saw something ha- like you saw a particularly really good movie or a bad movie or there was a certain incident at a Chinese restaurant that you remember anything no I couldn't tell you nothing because oh okay I just I, I you know I just don't think any of it was that memorable like you just go out you have okay. Chinese food and you're enjoy it and you're done um I'm trying to think if there was anything well, I was thinking, like, someone has to make a movie called Jewish Christmas Jewish. Bet, that all takes place in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. They come in from the movies. It's that episode yeah. of Seinfeld where they're waiting for a table. Um, Similar, yeah. And, 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 like, my dinner with Andre, same deal, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Or, like, the big night. It just, the mm-hmm. big night is mm-hmm. Chinese food. And you get, you should get the side of the Chinese people, too. Like, the, the people yeah. serving the meal, like... 
exactly. You know, hear what they have to say. Oh, you could do um, a lot with it, man. Yeah, no, I mean, if it wa- if it wasn't for Chinese food, it would be very hard for you know J- Jewish people to go out on Christmas. It's a great night to go out. Everything's empty. City. Shout out to Chinese people and Chinese restaurants. There yeah, you go. Love them. Uh, but nowadays, my wife celebrates, so I celebrate. Um, and we do we do a little bit of both. We do some Hanukkah, we do some Christmas, uh, and that's and that's usually it. It's good times. We call that Christmas remix. Yeah, a little bit of Hanukkah, a little bit of uh, Christmas. Throw a little Kwanzaa from time to Kwanzaa's time. Kwanzaa's in there. Sure. What, what about you? What's uh, what's kind of what goes on over in uh, your household? Oh, my parents are immigrants, and they are fully on board with assimilating. They they adopted Canadian customs immediately. Christmas was a thing. We always did Christmas. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. My dad really wanted us to be a Canadian household. And so okay. Christmas was more of a cultural thing than a religious thing. Okay. So we did it. One year we did, I guess no one was really interested. I guess me and my brother were kind of teenagers at that time, kind of snotty and above it all. Yeah. And so I think with that one year we did, we didn't get a tree. We just put presents under like our, our um, house plant. Yeah. I think it was like a like a rubber tree plant or something. Yeah. <laughs> or Christmas a fern, bush. maybe. Yeah. So that one year we did that, and that was, I think, the low point in our household Christmases. But then we just kept doing Christmas. So Okay. Yeah. There you go. Christmas, uh, immigrant Christmas, Jewish Christmas. Listen, if we're getting days off, I'll take it, man. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, uh, these capitalists, they got our, they got their foots on our necks all year round, they're not taking Christmas. I'll, no. I'll fight to the death. Well, they, 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 you know, the spending up until Christmas, they got that. Yeah. It's their, you know, it's a big capitalist holiday, right? Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of spent, a lot of forced spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I'm finding as I get older, it's like, you know, the mailman, people yep. that I just wouldn't. Barber. Gotta the, get your barber. barber. Gotta hit up the barber. Big, yeah. big tip just before Christmas time. Um, yeah. And. Uh, I used to get my back waxed. You used to have to, have to tip that lady. Oh, Christmas yeah. Time. I mean, yeah. definitely got to tip that lady. Oh, yeah. Um, she deserves it. Just the back Absolutely. or kind of an all over thing? Just the back, man. I can right. take care of everything else. Nice. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a lot of work. Um, it was a lot of work. And, you know, if you have, I don't, but if you have a. a, a a maid or a what are they, what's the a, a house cleaning uh person i don't know i like to call them i like to call them man servants even man. if they're women okay all right yeah yeah <laughs> gotta tip that person for sure gotta tip them if you have one um yeah, absolutely yeah just oh, you man. gotta basically just shell out cash from the beginning of december up until or even like mid-november if you're one of those tenacious types, uh, all the way up until the day of Christmas. And then the next day you can go out and spend more at half price. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Man. Yeah. As a capitalist holiday, Christmas just really is unsurpassed, I think. Um, but I, I do think that the, the Christmas creep, as far as promotions go, like as soon as Halloween is over, yeah. you got about 48 hours before yeah. you start getting those Christmas ads. We need a holiday in between because there's got to be a little bit of a buffer, I think. Someone's got to invent a holiday between Christmas and, and, and I'm willing Halloween. to bet you there's a Jewish holiday, not Hanukkah because it's not real, 
Um, mm. but like a, a good Jewish holiday between, I don't know, but, uh, mm. like kind of like a Yom Kippur that everyone, we should just get everyone involved on. In. Like everyone should be repenting for their sins. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know what it is, but we could find Oof. one. I need to repent for mine. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oof. Why not? Um, yeah. I mean, there's probably a Jewish holiday in there somewhere, uh, or an Indian mm. holiday. Like, is there a Diwali or something going on in there? I don't know. Th- there is Diwali actually in, oh, okay. in between. But uh, not it's, many people. It's 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 gaining st- it's gaining steam. I think mainstream. I like the volley. Put- yeah, it's a good yeah, one. It's getting some steam. Uh, we've got a kite flying holiday, which I th- I really think should be celebrated more, like a holiday for flying kites. That'd not awesome. enough kite flying goes on anymore. Now with drones, drones really ruin kites. Yeah, drones have really destroyed the the kite industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phones too, because like honestly, the only reason to fly a kite when you're a kid was because you didn't have anything better to do. But yeah. now you've got Fortnite, you've got Call of Duty, you've got endless amounts of porn. Like no one's flying yeah. a kite anymore. Like, Strong German pornography killed the kite. Oh um, yeah. But but I'll say this: I did fly a kite last summer, and it was fantastic, great time. Almost wanted to take it up as a hobby. Really, you yeah. got into it. Yeah, I was going. All right. I was looking at professional kites, seeing how that worked out. Because um, this was a children's kite, I wanted mm-hmm. to get a little more. But uh, yeah, no, I, I some something happened. Uh, maybe I had a drink and I forgot about it, and uh, never really went okay. back to it. But there, I was I was passionate about it there for about seven minutes. Well, and, I encourage it. Like I think kite flying as a hobby should be picked up more from because otherwise it's going to go at a, at a business at a extinct so yeah, yeah. and these and check. these idiots with their drones they're yeah. gonna they're gonna take over they are man and and they are all idiots too they're all 21 year olds vaping with those pants out of the cuff the elastic in the in the cuff you know what i mean is that what the, is that is that the outfit yeah they all wear all black and usually with a backwards baseball cap um I've, I've never actually i've yeah. seen the drone i've never seen the droner yeah they're always 18 to 22 year olds okay who yeah they're, they're just kind of well and, i don't want to i don't want to disparage drone operators because they'll probably make up all five of our yeah uh, one of them might be yeah watching this, but this, 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 this podcast does this get them laid this drone thing so is I have no idea, man. Like, I think anything can get you laid these days. I That's think there's true. a niche for everything now. It's true. Bro, I've been on Twitter, and in the last six months, there's these communities have risen up on Twitter. One is copywriting. There are these dudes all around the world writing Twitter threads on basically, uh, like, productivity and business and stuff like that. They are everywhere. They have taken over a huge chunk of Twitter. And the other one is Notion influencers. I don't know if you know the software Notion. No. It's basically scheduling productivity software. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To-do lists and calendars. There is an entire community of weirdos who are trying to become Notion influencers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And they are weird, man. It's getting weird out there. We're in a little bit of a dystopia where there's even an Excel influencer who's making like $100,000 a month teaching Excel. She's a smoking nice. hot chick. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to get into this to a point where there's going to be an influencer for every product. I got to I got to come up with something like mundane to be an influencer for. Oh, geez. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm trying to rack my brain, too. I need to be an influencer on something like very niche. I don't, I don't know what golf, it's going to be. Though. Golf ball polishing. 
There is an entire industry of smoking hot chicks on Instagram who golf. Who golf. They're, they're hot chick golf influencers. I That's like a it. thing. I like yeah. it. Hey, you know what? If I feel like the connective thread here that we're missing out on is the hot chick part. I feel like Well, it, <laughs> here's the thing. It's like there's only certain amount of like you have to be elite hot level to be a just a straight up model now. Right. But you but can if be you're hot. Yeah. If you're hot but not model hot, pick a niche. Oh yeah. Just pick Whatever a niche you want to do. Yeah. 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 The, you like, can do that now. Hot oral hygienists. They're out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hot yeah. Lego enthusiasts. Hot. Yeah. Uh, Chase Chase Claypool, the wide receiver. Do you yeah. know him? Yeah. He shot his shot with a hot dental hygienist on TikTok. And how did that go? He got roasted for it, but I think he might have got laid. Hey, you got to shoot. Mean, you got to shoot your shot, right? I mean, look. That's how you do it. They're out there. They're yeah. living the dream of being a very hot person. Yep. Uh, and they're making the money off of it. I I say all the more power to you. If you're able Listen, to do yeah. it, yeah. I'm not. Um, no, I, I'm decent looking at best, and, and not a. Not I think a you're hundred, a handsome dude, but you I'm know, not. You're... But I'm not a girl. No, you know. No. No. What, what can I do? Yeah, um, like I'm. I'm. I'm really. I'm very pro anyone monetizing hotness. Yeah. And now there's so many ways to do it. Yeah. OnlyFans is not the only way. If you're hot. And you're broke, it's your fault. You can make money as a hot person now doing anything. That's true. You you have Instagram. a leg up, right? You definitely have a leg up. Literally. Yeah. On OnlyFans. Um mm. yeah, OnlyFans is a whole other phenomenon that I I've never signed up, full disclosure. I get the psychology there. Okay. I, I there is a psychology behind it. Um, well, what is the psychology behind it? No, I'm I don't not. Know. I this is you know you should do an OnlyFans sandwich or something, uh, and d- dive into the psychology of some people actually enjoy, like there's a it's almost a thrill of the hunt, right? Hmm. There are exabytes of I don't know if an exabyte has been achieved yet, but of mm-hmm. pornography that you can access for free on the internet, no yes. problem. Yet, and I have. Oh, believe me, I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, some people are just like, I'm going to go pay for it. And don't, like, it's not this, uh, they deserve to be compensated, blah, 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 blah. Because, yes, absolutely they do. If you are doing that, you deserve fair compensation. I agree with that statement 100%. Mm-hmm. The guys who are do, who are paying for this, and right. the girls, because there are girls paying for it too, not a lot. I don't know the stats. I, <laughs> not I don't a know very lot. Not too many. I'm sure it's skewed heavily one way. But if it's more than five percent, I would be shocked. <laughs> yeah. But the people paying for this, mm-hmm. there's a psychology there of like, the the free stuff is okay, but this is premium, and it's usually not. Um, and there there's something. It's it's almost like the the same thing of like getting into that VIP room at the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, the economics of VIP is very yeah. interesting because you're paying to actually go sit away from the action yeah, and watch the action, but you're not in the action. Yes. You're So it's like... So you're paying for exclusivity, you think? Yeah, you're paying for exclusivity and now you're paying for something where this is this girl or fella or whatever are taking off their clothes 
and uh oh they're doing more than that they're, not, they're not, doing stuff yeah doing and, stuff. and enjoying some uh, a nice fruit salad or something um and uh, and uh not everyone can see you gotta pay to get past the velvet rope here you know right so, well from what i understand it's actually a lot of it has to do with it's more of the the strip club thing where this the guy feels like he has a relationship with a stripper yeah like you know how the like there's always one dude in the strip club who's willing to actually pay strippers and like pay their bills and falls in love yeah yeah, yeah. falls in love Mm. this is that except scaled so you have all these guys and they interact apparently with these people with the the chats and everything and so they feel a connection with the person it's the same thing with influencers where you feel like they're, they're your friend and so that connection actually is what causes them to spend money from what i'm told i've never been on it but that's that's the psychology from what i've been told but there's no way you're chatting with that actual person i mean i get if it's like probably not if it's if it's it's a small amount of followers maybe but if it's like thousands they've probably got assistants and chatbots yeah if it's dolores the homemaker from down the street maybe yeah you know but if it's you know ex porn star whoever insert name here um They got a. They've got a guy. It's some dude. Just there's probably it's like a call center, right? There are probably yeah. call centers of people who are like, "Hey, daddy, what's up?" Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But hey, what? Like I said, whatever blows your dress up, right? Well, you, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weird thing is, it's like. I feel like we are in late. This is nothing to do with movies, by the way. I don't know. What we're yeah, talking. we're all, we're way off on a tangent. Yeah, we we, we, should, we should probably. But this is late stage capitalism to the point where individuals can literally have an international business on their own now. Yeah, like this this person who used to have to go through the porn industry, you know, work their way up, schmooze, you know, Fluff. what I'm saying, do well in their annual reviews, try to move up in the industry. You know, what I'm saying it could take ten years. Before you get to VP, if you, go, do, you know they, do you think they have annual reviews in the porn industry? Of course they do. Of course they do, Jer. Of course they've they got do. a strong corporate structure. They do. They do. Absolutely. Great benefits. But you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, it's a very, it's a very. I'm sure there's like a hierarchy involved that you had to climb. Yeah. But this kind of eliminates that, and it goes straight from the uh, means of production straight to the customer. You're the CEO. So, I'm saying. All right. Well, but back. back. So there you go. Back to Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let's oh, okay. Let's get into the movie. So before we get into the movie, the, the the format of the podcast is that Jeremy and I will give our initial thoughts about the movie. Then we will go through each instance of food in the movie chronologically and dissect it uh, ad nauseum. And at the very end, we will give closing thoughts and food awards. Yeah. So, uh, Jared, do you have any do you have any opening thoughts on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Right. So this movie, I. There was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it went vacation, like the original was vacation. Yeah. Then Christmas vacation. Yes, sir. Then uh, European vacation. Yep. Vegas vacation. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, So this is the second in a franchise of Mm -hmm. vacation movies, National Lampoon's movies. And this is like a different era of comedy, right? Would you not agree? Yes. So yes, absolutely. National Lampoon's kind of had the cornerstone of comedy for years. And it was all kind of this slapstick, sticky. You know, there were a lot of movies where it was like Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part 2. 
And mm-hmm. you know, these movies where they just did these absurd things. But then this was like about a family life, a family dynamic on these road trips or on these long trips uh, or around Christmas or going to Vegas or this, that and the other. Um, and it was I think it was supposed to be based off some sort of truths about getting the family together for Christmas or going on a family vacation. Um, but I I did not I don't connect with this Christmas movie whatsoever. It's hilarious because it's. Mm-hmm got a great cast of very funny people but it, it's it, it's and it's very typical lampoons and john hughes or whatever the guy's name is um yep but uh yeah not like I, I, in the early 2000s to now versus what happened in the 80s and 90s comedy movies and christmas comedy movies have changed uh, drastically oh yeah the themes are still there but the execution is completely different Yes, absolutely. But it's funny you mentioned that, how comedy, the, the state of comedy back then as opposed to now and National Lampoon, because National Lampoon um, was created out of the Harvard Lampoon. Mm-hmm. So the Harvard Lampoon in the 70s, it was a magazine, it was a comedy magazine, and they went from, they decided, a couple of guys who worked at the, at the Harvard Lampoon decided we should just make keep doing this, but make it a real magazine for everyone, not just Harvard students. So they created the National Lampoon magazine, the comedy magazine. And from there, a bunch of those uh, writers for the National Lampoon went on to work in, in uh, or were the original writers of SNL. So, okay. that, so it went from Harvard Lampoon, National Lampoon, SNL, and then the National Lampoon magazine was bought by a conglomerate and they decided to leverage, oh, leverage the brand, leverage the brand <laughs> into other media. They had like a radio show and yeah. then they started making movies. So I think Animal House was the first movie. I, I don't nerds at home. Don't, yeah, I don't uh, know. I couldn't, whatever. I couldn't tell you. But a lot of comedy after like National Lampoon basically brought Harvard into the comedy world. Right. Before that. Comedy writers and, and and comedy in general was just like a mishmash of like uh, just weirdo. Like most, a lot of them were uh, writers from magazines and newspapers, just regular writers who just happened to be funny. Yeah, and a lot of them came from stand up comedy, and a lot of them came from vaudeville. Okay. So it was a bit more of a lower class thing for a long time, and then Harvard came in and just you know pulled out their dick and was like, "We're in charge now, guys." So comedy is ours now, and Conan. Uh, brought co- was Conan was the first guy to go from Harvard to Hollywood that was not through National Lampoon. Again, before that, uh, like TV writing staffs and and most of the writers in Hollywood were just a ragtag bunch of schmucks, you know, like yeah. funny guy, mostly Jewish guys actually, but they weren't Harvard guys. And so mm-hmm. now you go to Hollywood, and I mean every writing staff is just Harvard guys, Harvard guys and guys from Chicago who are in the Chicago like. Uh, uh, sketch comedy scene like second city well chicago's got a whole thing they got second city they got the chicago improv they got Chicago is a comedy mecca Hot now bed for improv comedy yeah, yeah 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 this was i think the start of the wave of harvard people that kind of took over comedy at that time and have continued to do it to this day so that is the harvard connection to national lampoon and the harvard connection to comedy which has continued to this day it's it's funny you bring that up because I was going to say Animal House. There are two movies for me that 
really changed comedy. Like it made comedy, like it brought raunchy comedy kind of into the mainstream and made it, I don't know, some sort of, it's, it's funny. I didn't know all this stuff you were telling me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one was Animal House and the other was Porky's. Mm. So Porky's. I have not seen either one. Oh, okay. Por- I've seen parts of each one, but not, not, not together. Porky's is brilliant. In so many ways, and it inspired movies like uh, American Pie. Um, and it, it's the raunchy comedy genre. Yeah, it's they, that raunchy. That. Yeah, it was you know a little bit of TNA and mm-hmm. like just people like just it's it's just savage, right? Um, so Porky's and Animal House kind of both did that. Animal House was a little cleaner, uh, but it was still like pretty insane. And then from there, it just got it snowballed. And then you got into the slapstick, right? Like the the Naked Gun movies, like anything with Leslie Nielsen. Um, yeah, that was. Oh, like, uh, by the way, those guys. Uh, air, I think they started with the airplane. Yeah, those guys who did. Those guys were advertising guys. Anyway, continue. That makes sense. Yeah, Airplane was brilliant. Airplane's one of my favorite of the comedy movies, like that slapstick kind of. And that's why I was talking about Hot Shots and mm-hmm. and uh, Airplane, Naked Gun. They were all um, kind of parodies, right? They were they were sending up. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. And then the parodies. The parodies were brilliant. Uh, Naked Gun was kind of a parody of something, yep. and then there was Loaded Weapon. Hot Shots was a parody as well. Yeah, Top Gun, Top Gun. and Rambo yeah. was the second one. Yeah. And then Loaded Weapon. I think Emilio Estevez was in that one. Lethal Weapon it was yeah. a knockoff of Lethal Weapon and a few other movies, and that movie was hilarious. I remember watching that as a kid and just losing my mind. Um, so and high high in the stoner comedy uh, genre. Yes, as well. yes. And then it all went different, right? And then we had yeah. I think what happened? Tell us what happened. Oh, we had like old school, and The Hangover. Okay. And you know what? You know which comedy I think really kind of changed everything's direction was yeah. the Fairly Brothers with "There's Something About Mary." Yes, that is that pushed things so far. Yeah. And everyone was like, okay, we got to really step it up now. Well, the, the Farrelly yeah. brothers, something about Mary and the one about the Mormon bowler uh, with Brandy King Quaid. Pin. King Kingpin. Kingpin. Kingpin is one Dumb of Dumb and Dumber, also them. Dumb and Dumber. And Jim Carrey, a lot of Jim Carrey movies, but Dumb and Dumber specifically. Farrelly brothers might have kind of changed the trajectory of comedy into something that's like- I think they did. A, a little bit more, I don't know if I would say intelligent, but not- not as sticky as National Lampoons. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was not as sticky. Like there was You're a lot right. less stick. There's just a lot of like really savage moments. You know, like you know, I went and milked your cow. We don't have a cow. We have a bull. <laughs> like yeah, like, yeah. They re- <laughs> they really brought like this edge to it that no one had gone to before. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and SNL, yeah. SNL, ha- you know, movies that came out of SNL that. They were never quite as good as Fairly Brothers. Like they didn't have the the intelligence of Fairly Brothers. Some of them did. Like mm-hmm. the the Night at the Roxbury was kind of funny. Um, MacGruber has its moments, uh, but I don't know. That that was what like, I think you're right. The Fairly something about Mary. There was a huge mm-hmm. culture shift in comedy away from Christmas Vacation or these kind of movies into something a lot less sticky. And then now we're kind of in this dead zone. Well, I think now everyone, like, there's so much content out there 
and there's so much the internet has just got so much weird stuff out there that I think comedy has just gone completely just like we need to make this as weird as possible. Yeah. Like as left field as possible. There was a part there was a point when every comedy would have some washed up celebrity from the eighties, like Neil Diamond or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a as a character and he was an active character, but they kept calling him by his full name, like Hey Neil Diamond, stop doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was a thing for a while. Um, what was that Neil Diamond movie? There was a whole movie with uh, with American Pie guy. Uh, yeah, uh, but but th- there was there was a trope where they would just just bring in some washed up guy. Yeah. you know, it could be Lou Ferrigno in Hey, uh, hey in Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler, yeah, and they yeah, yeah. and but then he would often turn out to be a jerk or like depraved or something, and that would be part of the recurring joke. You know what I'm saying? But- Mike Tyson. That's how Neil Patrick Harris got mm-hmm. his career back. It was White, a White Castle, White Castle, when they were like, no, no, NPH wouldn't do that. And then yep. his career, and then he got that TV show, and then his career just like took off. Yeah, from uh, the, the we need to call it something. I'm not sure what to call it. The, the weird cameo or yeah, the, the celebrity cameo. insertion. Like, that yeah. might not be a great. It's more of an OnlyFans kind of thing, but um, yeah. <laughs> but that celebrity kind of cameo genre there, there was a period. You're right, and then mm. uh, and it made people's like uh, other dude from the Neil Patrick Harris show, Siegel, uh, Jason Siegel, is that his name? Jason Siegel, yeah. He did a bunch of those where he was buddies with uh, Paul Rudd, and and they like Rush, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Rush got super popular, um, mm-hmm. and these movies would just bring back people's careers. Yeah, it's it, crazy. It, that was one good thing about them. Yeah, um, but like, wh- where do you think comedy is? Do we know where comedy is now? I'm not even sure we know where it is now. I think it's interesting because there's a lot of dark comedy right now. Like, I just finished watching yeah. the second season of White Lotus, mm-hmm. and it's very funny, but it's very dark, right? And it's not like I haven't seen it. Is it worth watching? Oh, the writing on both seasons is fantastic. Um, okay. And, but it's dark, but it's like dark, funny, like it's absurdist, but it's weirdly funny. And then, um, Mm. I find, I like what Mindy Kaling is doing. A lot of her shows are, are quite funny. Uh, where the one where she was a nurse and then the one now she's written for other people, I think is quite Mm -hmm. good. Um, you know, there's a cultural thing she's trying to do and I get that, but I find her to be quite, quite funny. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff, but it's it's very kind of it's either dark, subtle humor, because uh, then there was a time where like movies like Napoleon Dynamite, where it was like, this isn't outrageously funny, but there's a weird comedy there. Royal Tenenbaums. There are some very funny scenarios, but it's not like old school where it's just like dick and fart jokes. It's th- yeah. there's like it's a. There's a sophistication to the comedy that a lot yeah. of people are like, I don't find that funny. And a lot of people are mm-hmm. like, I find that funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think now comedies now, all, uh, I feel like they're very writing based. They're almost like plays yeah. where it's all about the dialogue. It's all about the rat-a-tat back and forth. Yeah. It's and, not so much physical anymore. I think it's 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 more playwrighty. I think. And that's a trend in, I mean, that's definitely, I agree. There's a trend happening and, you know, guys like Aaron Sorkin kind of led that led the way on the rat a tat uh mm-hmm. conversational type stuff. 
Um, I think Judd Apatow too. Apatow, with, uh, for sure. Because he would do the thing where he would set the camera up and he'd be like, all right, let's just do 20 takes, do everyone different and just riff, yeah. you know? And yeah. so I think you see that a lot where it's just a couple characters and a two shot just going back and forth, you know what I mean? So it's gotten very dialogue based, I think. Yeah. There's a lot less people getting kicked in the nuts, which, you know, there's a time and a place for people getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, OnlyFans is the time and place. But. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There's my way of making <laughs> making it on OnlyFans. Hey, man, someone's got to make a living doing someone's this stuff. Got, as long as I can find dollars. a hot chick to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> this could be. Yeah, it's, I was reading about uh, I was reading about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And, uh, man, it was nice taking a trip back to the 80s, but when I was watching this movie, though, it was, mm-hmm. it really felt nice and comfortable and things felt under control, at least. Yeah. Whereas I think now the world feels very out of control. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was an illusion or not, but, uh, <coughs> I don't know. Cold War days felt pretty good. It's something wholesome. Uh, There's think. something wholesome about this film, even mm. when it all goes to, to crap. Um, you know, he and Chevy plays this so straight. Yeah. Oh, Chevy Chase was magnificent in this movie. Yeah. Apparently, though, I was reading on Wikipedia that uh, John Hughes wanted Chris Columbus to direct this thing. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and he quit because Chevy Chase just disrespected him, just did not respect the guy at all. And so he quit. And then this other guy ended up directing it. I've heard this but, about uh, Chevy yeah. Chase. Like I've heard he's tough to work with because he's like just disrespectful. Like he's just <laughs> he's just a kind of a prick. Um, yeah, I, I, you know yeah. I've heard that. I don't know that to be true. I've never met Chevy. Um, Chevy, if you want to come on the podcast and set the record straight, please. You're yeah. we'd be happy to have you. Um, the invitation is open, Chevy. Yeah, but, Chevy uh, Chase has an open invitation on this podcast at all times. Um, come on, come on the podcast. Check check us out. Uh, he had a run though in the eighties, man. Chevy oh, Chase had a Fletch, the Vacation Caddy, movies, Caddy uh, Shack, Caddy. There you go. Oh, what a film! He uh, really had a run, yeah. man. Handsome dude, tall dude, you good, know, yeah. funny, good looking. Apparently, because of a rich family too. So, and he did comedy in a way that was like he let things happen to him, and he would have a great reaction to it. Like he was, he just has great timing. He wasn't like over the top, like somebody else, like. Like a Rodney Dangerfield, he was mm. more of a he was more of a kind of a uh, he, he was the the straight guy. I don't mean sexually straight. I mean just the straight guy. Great, great straight man. Yeah, great straight man. Yeah. But then he would do. But then he could flutter into shtick very quickly mm-hmm. and then come back yeah. to it. You know, so he, I don't know. I I would say very talented guy. Um, even to this day, on that TV show he did, Community, he was very funny. Um, that, that he got kicked off of yeah, for being a dick. Sure, but like <laughs> these guys, like Bill Murray, him, you know, these kind of legends yeah. of of shtick movie comedy. Uh, yeah, I heard they're all, but that's probably what makes them funny. Well, you got. I I don't want to apologize for being dickish, but you got to think these guys are comedy guys, right? Yeah. So they're 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 their whole thing is like we're truth tellers. We cut through all the BS of modern society. Imagine the stuff they have the, and the people they have to deal with in Hollywood yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. If that's not going to make you a douche, like, I mean, just dealing with all these schmucks every day, just like, oh, God. I, I bet if you put five of them together in a room, they just start going at each other. 
Like just trying to one-up each other, you know, like there's a competitiveness there. There's playful ribbing, whatever you want to call Mm. it. Um, But that's kind of the world they live in at all times, especially if they're Mm stand-ups. Like they live in a very aggressive world. Like even so, example. My my mom worked in 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 government research for years, so she knows how to like, you know, she's she gives good advice on how to navigate a, a corporate structure. So she'll say to what me, she, "Tell tell us some advice." Well, I, well hang on. Uh, so I'll say something. Ah, oh, this happened at work. Da 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 da. And she'll say, "Well, why don't you do this, this, and this, and this?" It's like, you know, I work in advertising. It's different. We don't yeah. do it that way. And this is like this is like the comedian, right? It's I'm not equating myself with guys like Chevy Chase, but just as as a, we do stuff differently, it's like the normal corporate structure versus advertising is like comedic acting versus uh, you know other acting, right? Right? Yeah. Because not not every actor can do comedy. Some some dudes who come in like i find the rock to be very good at comedy i think he's actually better at comedy than straight acting i i yeah i would say so. i think he's so. he can be very funny um yeah and sometimes you can do that the you some guys have the ability to or people have the ability to jump over but it's much easier for a dude like adam sandler to do a very serious movie and do it well than it is for uh you know a, a mel gibson to jump over into comedy uh, yes, that is very true. Um, the thing about acting is that it just well, comedy is so irre- good. Comedy is irreverent. You have to be relaxed while you're doing it. If you come off as earnest, it doesn't really work. No. And actors are the most earnest human beings on the world because they just want to get a job, you know. Yeah. And and that and that comes off in their energy a bit. So. I can see how it could be tough for an actor to do comedy. And 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 the ones who do make it tend to take themselves really seriously. Yeah. So not a great formula for, well, for comedy shows. A lot of a lot of great comedy comes from taking yourself very seriously. If it's done the right like way. Like if yeah. you if you yeah. are if you are committed, seriously committed to the shtick, mm-hmm. as as Chevy is as the straight, you know, that's mm-hmm. what they call them. I've not this isn't a sexual thing. They, you know, they call guys like Chevy the straight because he's the guy that lets things happen to him. Other people that do that well, Stiller does that all right. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, he's great at that. Yeah, Stiller's, Stiller's great, great at that. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld has done that very well over the years on his show. He did that quite well. He made a billion dollars on Seinfeld being a straight guy. Yeah, and and that's kind of what it is. And then there are guys like Jack Black who aren't that. Right. right. They, they are the. <laughs> You know that kind yeah. of guy, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's in this in this movie in Christmas Vacation, Chevy's kind of the straight. He's the guy that's got the hopes and dreams. And guys like Randy Quaid show up, and yeah. Randy Quaid's great at being the. <laughs> um, well, everyone around him is kind of yeah the, the joke the the clown. You know the yuppies next door, his family, yeah. uh, his extended family. His is extended hilarious. family's great. Yeah, so he does play a great straight man with those little subtle nuances of comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. shout out to Chevy Chase being a straight man. Also a bit of a douche. We don't really care, though. Those times are over. Yeah, allegedly a douche. I don't, I I can't confirm. And Chevy, please, come on the pot. Like, please. Yeah. All right, so let's get into food, bro. So, minute 13 in, 
This is a great scene because I remember back, like a lot of these movies in the 80s, a big part of it was the kind of trappings of corporate life yeah. and how much corporate life sucks. And <laughs> minute 13, we get into it. He's in a corporate office and he's a Tasmanian devil coffee mug. And he's talking and he, and his job is as he's a food additive designer. This is the first time on the show we've actually had a character whose job was this involved in food. So exactly. it's a historic moment for the podcast. I mean, except for Primo as a chef. True. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But, but this guy's involved in the science and corporate, corporate side of food. Right. And he mentions that he has just created a crunch enhancer, a crunch yeah. enhancer, non-nutritive cereal varnish. It coats and seals the flakes and prevents the milk from penetrating it. Yeah. This is the man's job. He's got a Tasmanian devil cup. And I want to say I've worked in non-advertising jobs and there is a type of dude in these in corporations, the type of dude who would have the Tasmanian devil on his cup. I am fascinated by that dude. Like that dude wants to be something that he that he can't be in this job. Like yeah. he has a he has a dream where he thinks he can be like a short story writer or a com comedian or something. There's something inside of him that he's trying to express, and the only thing, the last visage of self expression in the corporate environment is your coffee mug. Yeah. Is it going to be world's greatest dad? Is it going to be you know what I mean? Something sarcastic? Is it going to be nothing? Is it going to be the company mug? The Tasmanian Devil mug shows you that this man is somehow trapped in his situation. So I thought that was important. Yeah, the 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 novelty coffee mug is a great example of just like what it goes to uh, that movie Office Space, the Mike Judge oh, film. Yeah. Um, yeah, which we should probably do on this podcast, by the way, because that's a great film. Oh yeah, um, is like it's that flair. You know, it's exactly that. It's we want you to we want you to conform. We want you in a cubicle. We want you wearing the same suit every day. Yeah. But the, here's your one little place of freedom. Yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> Just enjoy it. <laughs> well, did, back when we were in the office, did you have a coffee mug? Did you? Have uh, people gave me, but I didn't. I I would go and get Starbucks. Like people gave okay. I, uh, my partner. I'm not going to say her name, but you know her name. Uh, gave me a coffee mug at the time. And you know it says like creative or something on it, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it sits, it sits in my coffee mug cupboard downstairs, and we use it. I use it here, um, only because I don't, you know, I have coffee. I now what's funny is now that I work from home, I drink coffee out of a mug every day. But mm -hmm. when I worked in an office, I never did because I would just go and get the Starbucks downstairs because I was, you know, bougie like that. Hell yeah. Let him know, Jared. Let him know with that car Did you? Starbucks cup. I don't remember. Did you? You had a tea. I drank tea. You had I a drank tea, tea set up. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did have a relationship with a coffee mug at the place because remember Alex, the Russian um, yeah, yeah, admin yeah. assistant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I oh, was always. Let's edit that out. <laughs> I was always. Uh, I, I had this ongoing thing with her where I kept accusing her of being a Russian spy for Putin. That's smart. And she ordered special in the mail a coffee cup with Putin's face on it just to troll me with it. So <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Um, yeah. 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 Got, shout out to Alex. If you're out there, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Come on the pod. Do my timesheets for me again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, so moving along. 
minute 22. This is a great scene that I noticed. It's they're in the kitchen and this, and it cuts to Juliet Lewis, the daughter, by yeah. the way. Love Juliet um, Lewis. Juliet Lewis was a thing back in between she, there was a period like where she was like kind of hot. Like she, she, she was a thing. She was, and a it wasn't real, like, it wasn't totally looks. It was attitude. Like she had a kind of yeah. like a sexy vibe. Um, yeah. I like, she it. had her own thing, man. And then she's been in some Tarantino things or Rodriguez. She was in dust till dawn. Um, I think she was natural born killers, which is natural born killers. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, was the brother, was that Galecki? In this movie? Yeah. Rusty or Russ Russ Griswold. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't Galecki was one of the sure. kids in this movie, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Fun fact. Yeah. But uh, Juliette Lewis is cutting. There's a great scene. This is, this is actually a decent food scene because it cuts to Juliette Lewis um, peeling carrots. Yeah. And then they have a little mundane exchange between, you know, Christmas logistics, basically who's coming, what's going to happen. But then the scene ends with the wife cutting a head of lettuce. Boom. So the two editing points, it was editing in, editing out with vegetables. So I thought that as a food scene, decent. Very well done. And in and, and a funny little back and forth between the two. Um, yeah. The mom, I believe, is the only – the mom and Chevy are the only two characters that were in all of them. Like – and Randy. Yeah. Were the yeah. – the, because the kids changed all the time. Yeah. yeah. Randy, man, made his career out of this movie. Yeah, he well, killed it. Randy, <laughs> uh, he lost his mind, but God, he was he was a gem. Wow. I think he's still alive. Art imitating life, life imitating art. And then man, his yeah. brother, the polar opposite, Dennis, just man, not. Dennis is a handsome devil, bro. Like, imagine having Dennis Quaid as your brother, how much that would suck. That dude is I don't know. an all-time handsome guy. Not as sexy as Randy Quaid. Come on. Hey, listen. Whatever you like, whatever whatever your genre is on OnlyFans, whatever blows your dress up, like I keep saying. Mm -hmm. But um, moving on, minute thirty-five. Great bit part by Julia Louis Dreyfus in this as one half of the yuppie neighbors. So, minute thirty-five. They're drinking Avion water which was before bottled water was a thing. So the water, the Avion, was purposely put there as a as a way to show these people are douchebags, basically. Yeah. Well, no, Av- so thought- Avion was a thing, right? Like it existed. It was a thing, but bottled water wasn't a thing. Yeah, it wasn't a So if you drank bottled water, it meant that you were above drinking yeah, tap yeah, yeah. water, which was a yeah. which was a like you, you were sending a message to the world. And we we've, we've already covered off our favorite bottled waters. So Yeah. Yeah. Ahead. But uh, I was thinking that yuppies in the 80s were kind of like the hipsters of that time. They kind of thought they were above people. They felt like they were on the cutting edge and everyone hated them. There's a lot of yuppie jokes in the 80s, which I think kind of shifted towards hipster jokes in the later years. But like, so yuppies were these, like, they were always portrayed in movies exactly like these two were, like... uh, Julie pretentious I call her yeah. Elaine um yeah. they were like slick uh Pierce Brosnan used to like kind of would would fit that bill of the guy that was always like slick back hair kind of a dick um yep. had some sort of, he was into his stereo and and yeah like, St- stereos were a thing back then yeah. people were into their stereos yeah yeah 
And so very, yeah, you're right. Very hipster because hipsters mm-hmm. love audio. Mm-hmm. Big into audio. Love, love, uh, you know, unique French water. Well, they like stuff, right? Yeah. Hipsters like stuff. Yuppies like stuff. But they like and they, they like stuff that nobody else likes or knows. But they like to be the first to know about things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, the similarities. Yeah. So, so like a hipster will be like, oh, have you tried these Italian running shoes that uh, you know only the Italian Olympic team from '87 wore? Right. Like, yeah. like <laughs> why? Why? I don't care. Like my Reeboks. But um, yeah. yeah, all right. I I'm, so and it's usually people of upper and middle class, your, kind of socioeconomic groups, basically. Yeah, like they're they're wealthy because they have to be. They have to afford. They you know they have to feed the beast, um, mm. but because the super rich don't care. That's different. They don't no, care. That's a different thing. They yeah. could not care less. You know they they don't care what they look like. They don't because they, they, they're super rich. They're, they. Europe, no, and all their friends are rich, so they don't have to buy cool stuff to impress their friends. Everyone has. They have the so cool stuff. The yeah. the hipster slash yuppie, if we're in the eighties nineties, um, demographic, their whole consumer like their consumerism is based on staying ahead of the trends uh, and others' opinions. Yeah, it was. It's sort of like they want to be culturally competitive with their purchases. Culturally. They want you to know that they that they that they pick something that you don't know about or most people don't know. About. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm that way with restaurants. Oh, really? I'm a hundred when people are like, "Have you been to X Y Z?" and I'm like, "Yeah, I've been there. Come on." <laughs> but have you been to? There's a Latvian restaurant in uh, you know in Parkdale where you you know <laughs> where have you been to that one? Yeah. No. Well, you got to go there. It's fantastic. Tell them Jer sent you. <laughs> you know, like there's there is that, and and that comes naturally with everyone. It's just the hipsters and the yuppies from the '80s. You're right. Mm-hmm. Seem to be better at it. They seem to focus. They're, they're more a bit competitive on it. about it. Yeah. And it depends on your genre, right? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a weird thing. That's a and, and and I will say it is mostly it is mostly with white folk. They tend to be the people who engage in this kind of behavior uh i'm not sure i would hope that it's opening up i tried to be a brown hipster for a while there a bripster Um, a bripster didn't take too well didn't work i'm working my way out of it i mean i bet you could grow a hell of a beard the the difference is when a brown guy grows a beard you kind of look more like a terrorist than a cool guy i didn't say it you know you did I know, I know what I said. Maybe a mustache. Though. Maybe mustache. Again, you look like Saddam, Saddam Hussein or Stalin or something. It's, 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 yeah. and Stalin was a good-looking dude. Oh, as a young man, he was a big fella, stud, stud. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he was no Rasputin, but Rasputin had those eyes, bro. Who is? Yes, right? Right? Who is? I don't know. How many Rasputin characters are out there? We have no idea about. You uh-huh. know. Like that, uh, what's his name? Miller down in the States. That weird, creepy guy. Like, like the guy behind the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. But there's dudes no. out there behind the scenes who are like <laughs> Rasputin this. Who are Rasputining it up. All right. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Like Ep- Epstein. No one knew about that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many Epsteins are out there? Oh, dude. Who are, I don't, who are kind of 
Like the uh, only reason we know about Epstein is because he was in the Little Girls. But what if there's an Epstein out there who's not in the Little Girls, who's doing the same shit? You know, manipulating people. And the, he's just got. A, I want. He's just got yeah. an island of normal-aged girls. <laughs> I think that's Richard Branson. Oh, you think he's? I mean, that guy has an Richard Branson's, mm. and he mm. likes normal-aged people. I like Richard Branson. Richard Branson, come on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Richard, if Love you're free. You Promote your cruise line. It looks great. Yeah, we'll get you some followers, Richard Branson, if you're interested. We'll get you five. Sure. At least five. Uh, minute 45, Clark and Eddie having a conversation over some good old eggnog. Just a couple of dads chatting about dad stuff. Good old one-on-one conversation, you know what I mean? Eggnog. How do you feel about eggnog? I need to your, need, know your opinion on eggnog. I've heard it's actually reindeer semen. Can you confirm or deny that? I, I don't know. I've never sucked off a reindeer, but um, <laughs> is, that, that. is that, is that going to demonetize You us? expect us to buy that. <laughs> I don't know. Dasher was good looking, but um, no. I, so as a kid, I'd never had it. And I I have it. I don't know. I, I, I see it at the grocery store and I'm like, I want to drink this, but. As a foodie, I assumed you had at least tried it once. I know I've it. tried it, of course, but like, okay, I don't. I never remember what it exactly tastes like. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Harvey's. You ever been to Harvey's? Of course, yeah. When you're not at Harvey's and you're not eating yeah. Harvey's, Harvey's, yeah. you're like, that's delicious. I want to eat some mm-hmm. Harvey's, but then when you eat Harvey's, mm-hmm. they're not a sponsor, so I can say this. You're like, why yeah. the hell am I eating this? This is yeah. I should be eating Wendy's right now. Yeah, this is messed like, up. Um, very. But then you leave Harvey's, and two hours later, you're like, damn, I could go for some Harvey's. Weird psychology with Harvey's. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, it's like the I, only sure fans why. of fast food. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. eggnog to me is that. Like, I feel like if I had a big glass of it right now, I'd take like three sips and be like, oh, that's fun. And then I'd be like, this this is getting annoying. This is getting, and then I'd be like, this is getting messed up. Yeah, it is a messed up drink, right? Like you drink it, and while you're drinking it, you're thinking to myself, you're thinking to yourself, I'm doing something depraved right now. Like, what am I even drinking? Like, what is this? It's sad. Like, it's it's, it's cream. It's sweet. Yeah. It's 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 thick. It's like, what on earth am I doing right now? It's, like, this it's, is. It's like to reference your culture. It's like uh, chai. Uh, with the milk, like when they do it with the like, I guess latte yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that decadent. Except I don't. Yeah, it's like it's like I don't it's like feel condensed milk. And yeah, yeah, I don't feel bad when I'm drinking a chai latte, whatever the heck it's called. But mm-hmm. when I'm drinking eggnog, after a little while, I'm like, I feel like you know what? I've never done, and I'm going to do this week because we're talking about it. I've never done mm-hmm. it with rum. I'm. I think you're supposed to throw oh. some rum in there. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. Which of is it. like is, is weird. Yeah. Rum and milk, or I don't even know. Is it milk? Do you? Well, no one knows. No one knows what it is. It's 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 supposed to be some kind of thick milky substance. Which yeah. again, reindeer, reindeers. Maybe. But, but yeah, when you're drinking it, I, I mean, if it was really good, if it was actually good. Wouldn't they serve it all year round? Wouldn't we have it all year round? Are we tricking ourselves with this eggnog? Like, but why can't we have it all year round? Because it, it's probably... I don't know. It, I don't know. Like, like I want to be the guy that goes to a bar 
in the middle of summer in Miami on the beach and goes, I'd like a refreshing eggnog with rum. Right? That would be a great scene. Yeah. I'd be all over that for sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm yeah. going to get into it. I'm going to do I'm I'm going to do my eggnog research and Bro, uh, summer eggnog. Summer eggnog. We got to come up with a summer eggnog recipe slash following. Uh, mm. Make it happen. Like the eggnog white Russian, the 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 beige Russian or whatever color eggnog. It's kind of like a yellow. Again, no one knows. Yeah, it's not, it's not even really is. a color. It's, it's like color. it's like an off taupe. I don't I don't know. Like again, it looks. I don't want to beat up dead reindeer to death, but well, I mean, you already it's kind you, of accurate. You already jerked them off, so I did. <laughs> Goddamn eggnog, man. Yeah, I eggnog has been bothering me for a long time. Actually, I haven't had it in probably fifteen years. I, I don't think I saw it at the grocery store this morning, and I think even my wife was like, "Should we get eggnog?" And I was like. I guess. Yes. Every time you see it in the grocery store, you consider it at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I you do consider it. I kind of want yeah. to try that shit. Oh, that stuff. But, uh, mm. yeah. Why do we consider it? Like, why are we drawn to this weird, gross? We, we gotta, we can do a whole show about eggnog. I don't want to, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It does haunt me, though. Eggnog does haunt me. It haunts me. I, I think that's store. a good way of putting it. Eggnog yeah. haunts me. It, it, it yeah. follows me throughout the year. And I don't know if you can even get it. Outside of Christmas, like, is there anyone? You can't. That, that that's why it haunts you because you know if I don't get it, it's going to be gone soon. Can you freeze? So, can you freeze it? I wouldn't trust it. I would not trust because that's eggnog. really going to be the wrench. In you our... can freeze reindeer semen. That much I know. Yeah. Eggnog, I'm not sure about. Though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Minute 49, <laughs> in one of the greatest scenes of all time involving food, chemistry, and Christmas, the silicone-based kitchen lubricant that creates a surface 500 times more slippery than cooking oil. Yeah. The sled scene. Yeah. Iconic. Is it not iconic? Very much so. And the, yeah. the fact that he breaks the speed of sound and takes on like a comet-like... Mm-hmm. structure um i don't know if you've ever were you a tobogganer as a kid or did you did you get of course in, yeah i love, down love tobogganing so the gt snow racer hell yeah so i never i've actually in my life never ridden one of those oh that that's got to be steering, your steering where you could like yeah did the steering actually work i have no idea okay i have no idea because i was just going straight down and then like i would lean and kind of do the steering. I had what they have in this. I had a red plastic saucer, and that, yes, and, I've seen. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that was that my is, yeah. sled. That was my mm-hmm. toboggan. Um, my sister. It, it was actually my sister's, and I had this rocket ship one that kind of sucked. And then my mm. sister got over tobogganing. She got too cool for it, and I got that one. And when I got that one, it was the fastest toboggan or sled in the in my school and so my school was near i don't know if you remember toronto near riverdale park mm-hmm. and in the winter we'd go tobogganing down the hills of riverdale park before they added trees there so we had a, lo- a lot of great hills and yeah. um i was always the fastest until this kid came in like grade six 
He oh, signed no. up to the school and he had a metal one like Chevy has. And that kid sailed. But it was so wow. dangerous because you'd hit a bump or you'd hit a jump yeah. and you'd be like sideways. And then we would take Pam spray and we'd spray the bottom because of this movie. Did it work? I don't think so. I don't uh, think okay. so. All right. I, I couldn't tell you. We never really timed it. We didn't really get the, the mm. you know, the chronographs out time it through. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love this scene because of that. It reminds me of my childhood tobogganing. That's a great that you mentioned that you tried that because pre-internet, no one knew anything. You know, if we saw something in a movie, we would try it. We would literally be like, hey, let's get some Pam cooking spray on this sled. Like, why not? Yeah. You know, we literally thought that if you bought Michael Jordan's shoes that you'd be able to dunk. That's yep. how dumb we were. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it was so easy to sell stuff to us. We would just believe it. Yeah. But nowadays, everyone just knows, you know, we got we got Google. Yeah. But what gives me hope is that Alex Jones has made like $100 million selling health supplements. Have you seen Alex Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Big I, fat guy. I mean, he's still alive, so something must be doing it. Listen, if there, if that guy made a goddamn fortune selling health supplements, we've got a chance to sell something in this society yeah. still. So we should come up with a sled grease. Oh, we should come up with a sled yeah. grease. The, the the food movies podcast sled grease. Uh, we could we could work with Pam cross promote it. One hour, four minutes in. This is significant. Big, big because scene. Because it reminded me. Huh? Big scene? Not a huge scene. <laughs> but I want to talk about it. So they're getting gifts uh, from their from their extended family relatives who are all insane. Yeah. And someone gives them a gift of a jello mold with jello wrapped up. So it's like jello pouring out of this box. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, and, and I and actually the uh oh shoot i should actually i'm gonna save the jello thing for 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 later because i have more to say about it okay but around the dinner dinner tables especially at holidays thanksgiving christmas any kind of dinner scene is just pregnant with comedy potential yeah like you can do so much with it and this one when they start doing the uh saying grace and the senile, senile aunt starts saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. And then while she's saying the Pledge of Allegiance, Eddie gets up and takes his hat off and puts his hand on his <laughs> When the turkey is brought out, the thing is, I, I remember in sitcoms and in pop culture that it was a real masculine thing to be the guy who carves the Carves turkey. the turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember this, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And for Chevy Chase to go in for the turkey and it deflates because it's so dry <laughs> it like it's almost like a scene out of aliens yeah yeah but like somehow turkey the tur the thanksgiving or, or turkey itself and carving it became this uh example of virility for men yeah and for to have the turkey collapse like that i think was really kind of like shows the humiliation that this guy is, is being is going through that he can't even carve a turkey like he's been emasculated by this turkey well the turkey yeah the turkey emas emasculated him because it was so poorly cooked but yeah it looked what was funny about it is it came out and looked perfect like oh, it looked great. beautiful and then he like yeah. 
and <laughs> like open. Just, yeah. But um, so two things. First thing is I mm. want to stay on this turkey carving. There was a whole industry around turkey carving. And, uh, you know, my grandfather had a electric turkey carving knife like these were huge and and you'd get them on like ronco or you know those uh, the tv knife things and here's the electric turkey carver and i remember like, the electric turkey like, knife yeah that was a thing and it would like shave through your turkey like you'd get perfect breast slices and my yeah. my grandparents had one and did it work i don't know i i don't know if they ever as jewish like very Jewish people, we don't celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know if they ever used to carve a turkey. They used it for brisket and other, you know, other Jewish fare. But, um, yeah, I've never seen one go out of turkey. I have a, I have a long carving knife that I use for turkey, but I, it's not electric. It's just a, it's just a knife. Um, mm. and, but it's still like a thing. Like there's still an honor to carving the turkey. Which is weird. Yeah. Oh, you think so? You think it's maintained its well, I, masculine uh, symbolism? So in our family, I cook the turkey at Thanksgiving, and I cook it on the barbecue. I smoke it. Which I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna segue right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a full instruction on how to cook a Christmas bird. That'll be if you're on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, I know I'm behind on recipes, but we'll throw that down in the uh, in the comments there or in the All right. blurb. But um, let's get back to it. Carving a turkey is, if you cook the turkey, you carve the turkey. And it's a whole, like, it's a whole thing. I don't do it in front of everyone because that's, when I do it, I, like, I get in there and I make a mess. Um, Oh, you don't like the pageantry of doing it at the table? Yeah, I don't do it with pageantry. Um, Oh, okay. But, you know, you... You're you're in it for the love of the game. Yeah, I'm, well, you you, you trim off the dark meat, you you know, the, the legs, the wings, you put those aside... And then you attack the breast and you slice down the breast until you can slice down no more. And then you're left mm-hmm. with a carcass. And in, um, you know, my wife is, is half Asian. In, in Asian culture, they'll actually take that and go and make congee with the carcass. Yeah. So some kind I, of soup, some kind of broth. I'll, you know? I'll vac seal that and give that to one of the my, my brothers, brother-in-laws. Uh, and, and nothing goes to waste. But... Yeah, car. It, there was a whole thing where it was like a masculine thing, and mm-hmm. it, it. I guess it comes down to like prowess of butchery, which I think I. I have a theory that it goes back to like cavemen times, maybe when you know the the chief would carve up the meat and divvy it out to the tribe. You know what I mean? Like I killed this beast, I'll carve it out. You'll get yours. As I dish it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a real kind of like caveman type deal. Yeah. So when it comes to turkey, are you dark meat, light meat? What, what's your what's your vibe? 100% light. I'm a, I'm a breast dude. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'll, I, have time for, I have time for dark meat and I love mm. a turkey leg. Mm. Like if you go to Disney World, if you've ever been to Disney yeah. World in your life. Uh, yeah. uh, and you, well. You, you, How do you eat your turkey leg? Do you lift it up like Fred Flintstone? Oh yeah, and just absolutely. Go at it. Absolutely, yeah. I get you do. the full leg. Yeah. Um, at oh. Disney World, uh, Magic Kingdom, they still do it because my wife and I went back as adults. Don't don't ask. Um, and uh, had 
turkey leg still. I did it when I was a kid and I had a turkey leg. Mm-hmm. There was a, when I was an adult, I had a turkey leg. They still do them. And they're fantastic. I love them. I think about them all the time. Um, I like it. Wow. Is, is it just like the baked turkey and the leg pulled off? Or do they do them when a They just get way? the legs. I don't know what they do with the rest of the turkey. Um, okay. And they're probably putting it in to feed the, you know. The, the, the alligators. The kids on uh, It's a Small World or whatever. But, uh, right. Those are those are little people. Yeah, those are real people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I like I like a good turkey leg. But to your point, I'm a white meat guy if it's moist. Mm-hmm. You can be moist. you can save it with gravy. Don't get me wrong, you can save it with gravy. But if 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 you don't know how to brine a bird, you're gonna learn because mm-hmm. I'm gonna teach you. But um, you gotta brine the bird. And uh, there are ways to keep it moist. It's very important. Oh, is there? Very important. How do you t- tell us the secret, buddy? Oh, I, I, I want to know will, how to I keep will. that bird moist. You got to right. subscribe. You got to subscribe. Okay. But, okay. There but you go. in short, brine the bird, baste the bird, use bacon. Bacon fat. Fat keeps things moist. So mm-hmm. a bacon lattice over the top can really help. Re- oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Very visually appealing, too. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a show stuff. Do you eat the bacon as part of the meal? Yeah, you chop it up, throw it in with the stuffing, whatever you want. Okay. Do you put any any fruit in your stuffing? I So I when, when, I don't put stuffing in my turkey. Cause on a, You're an outside stuffing guy? Because if you smoke a turkey, it's not necessarily the safest thing to do. Okay. Um, I stuff the turkey with apples, lemon, lime, all kinds of fruit. To get, mm-hmm. get some effervescence in there. Okay. Yeah. But stuffing-wise, what's your stuffing strategy? Uh, I don't put fruit in my stuffing. No. I'm a savory guy. I don't, no. So you're outside stuffing, no fruit yeah. in it, just regular Well, I, sometimes I'll stuffing. just throw down some stovetop because that stuff's great. I love stovetop stuffing. Yeah. I might get some today. I, I have it. some. I might cook some. Why not? Oh, just some freaking car- white carbohydrates yeah. just... Stuffed with salty, sodium-filled spices. Yeah, up the salt. More salt. Oh, yeah. You just feel dehydrated afterwards. Oh, yeah. Had trouble sleeping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so one hour, 14 minutes in, the most significant food moment of this film. This is all leading to this point. Clark has spent the entire movie talking about getting that bonus, getting that big bonus. Finally gets an envelope delivered to him on Christmas Day. He's been wondering where it's been. It's here now. And it's revealed that he doesn't have a cash bonus. His bonus is a membership to a Jelly of the Month. <laughs> a Jelly of... So do you like jelly? Uh, yeah. Like toast yeah. and jam, I jam, mean, jelly, whatever it. you want to call it. Any any of those sweet preserves I'm into, you know. What's mall, your mall What's your go-to? Go-to is raspberry jam from the grocery store just the like like a smucker i don't want to like say a, the name brand because they're not sponsoring us oh, because like like a, you know what i mean like one one of the ones you get but raspberry i don't like strawberry because it's too chunky hard to spread yeah well strawberry has the seeds well it's, it's chunky in the grocery store it's, yeah it's when it's when it's homemade when i've gotten homemade strawberry it's the best it's awesome okay uh but the store-bought stuff is kind of like a little bit subpar, so I go I go raspberry. I'm with uh, you. In the store. I'm with you 100 yeah. percent raspberry all the way, strawberry as okay. well. I don't do mm-hmm. I don't do well with blueberry. Never been a blueberry. I, guy. I don't mess with blueberry at all. Never been a blueberry guy. But a good no. a good marmalade. 
marmalade them all over. You can get, I can get down with that, especially if you have like a nice, uh, soft, uh, salty butter, like that salty. Yeah, sweet. like on like on a baguette, like a little bit you of know, or on a piece of toast or whatever you want to, yeah. whatever your a bagel, whatever you're throwing sure. down, whatever yeah. pickles your fancy, um, mm-hmm. you know, go after it. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you got to have some sort of jam jelly going on. And Jelly of the Month Club is not a bad thing. Do you belong to any food clubs or anything where they send you? It's a big, it's all the rage now with the kids. Really? Really? Because I've only purchased it as a gift for people. I've never purchased it for myself, though. Have, have you and do you have any experience doing that? So I'm part of a wine club. They send me a box okay. of wine every three months. A, a case of wine every three months. Uh... I get my vegetables from Ontario Farm. This is like the most hipster thing I could do, uh, but I get I get my vegetables brought to me from local farms uh, every Saturday, so I'm part of that club. Uh, only because you know I I get very tired of going to the grocery store and not getting the vegetables that I want to get. Hey, tell me why you're mad, Jerry. Yeah. Let's go. Well, I mean, look, Galen Weston, you want to come on the pod? I got a lot of, I got a lot of, I got a lot of beef with you about loblaws. Yeah, beef about vegetables. About yeah. loblaws, and uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'll say some things, but uh, yeah, Galen Weston, please come on the pod. Let's talk. Um, yeah, let's explain yourself, Galen Weston. But also, about these vegetables. Also, there's local farms in Canada that are very good, and I don't know, maybe not getting their due. I don't want to make a political statement. So sure. I, I purely support them for sure. Uh, other than that, no. I'd like to join a jelly club. I feel like that would be fun. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a bonus. I prefer cash. But... So this sends Chevy Chase into a rage. It's a tangent. And one of the greatest rants of all time. Yeah. Rant-wise, the Chevy Chase loses his mind at Christmas vacation over his boss. It's got to be top 10 in my books. Yeah. On the schoolyard when I was a kid, we had that memorized back in the day. I, I don't know if you did not, but that was the thing. Like we loved someone just losing their mind ranting like that. The monkey nuts part, yeah, tremendous, just, just pure poetry. Classic Chevy too. Like he really, this was this is this is what we're talking about. That flourish of comedy. Like he plays it so straight, but then he's so good at just losing his mind. Yeah, but the thing is, he's trying to keep it together, yeah. which is funny. He's trying he, to keep this normality. Trying to keep Christmas <laughs> together, right? Trying to keep, but but also this 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 uh, utopian kind of suburban, picturesque Christmas life and this life that he's kind of built for himself, and then he starts unraveling because of the bonus. Yeah, he loses, and, it. and he starts, and then one fifteen after the rant, he starts dunking the reindeer cups straight into the eggnog and chugging it. Yeah. And I thought, man, it's so funny because it's just like, it's just ridiculous. Who chugs eggnog out of, out of murderous rage? No, you know what I mean? So, Oddly using a reindeer. Okay. Oddly using the reindeer cup. Uh, and at that point he goes into a Christmas rage. Basically. Yeah. He decides, you know what? I'm just going to cut down a tree in my yard. And use that as a Christmas tree. Yeah, because his Christmas tree. smashes tree. through. Yeah, mm-hmm. smashes through the yuppies fucking uh, window. It was weird because like the yuppies were together and there was no one around. And they, they had a fruit plate 
and a couple of green cocktails, and they were sitting there not touching either of it. Do you yeah. know what they were doing? Like, what, what, what was that? I have no idea. I don't know, but that looked like a nice fruit plate. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the Christmas rage that Chevy Chase fe- felt towards the last, I guess, quarter of this movie, I think and I feel that kind of is bubbling under the surface of everyone. Yeah. During Christmas. Yeah. This is like any somehow it's something of there's a tension, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's why it's so relatable, right? He's the everyman. He's the guy who's just trying to keep his family together. He's doing everything he can. Not that they're like separating or anything, but I mean, like, keep everyone involved, keep everyone engaged, keep everyone happy. And everyone has their own cockamamie schemes and agendas. Uh, you know, and, and Randy Quaid's a sociopath and. And and everyone is all this stuff is happening to him. He can't get his Christmas lights working. Um, the, the sewage. Randy's dumping his his thing. It, there's explosions. The Christmas tree goes to hell. The old senile yeah. aunt puts a cat in a box. You know, like it's just pandemonium. And he's all he's trying to do is just keep it together. And he finally loses it. He finally yeah. just like. You know, his wife is the, uh, she's the exposition. Like she gives. She's the, very supportive. Yeah. She's very but supportive. But she gives yeah. the exposition of Clark, you can't keep it together, Clark. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. as opposed to a film like Burnt, that's all exposition. Um, mm-hmm. I know I keep, I'm bitter. But certain characters, certain characters can be that, that voice of exposition where it's like, here's where we're at. Here's the plot. Clark, you can't keep it together. Clark. And then finally he loses it. She called that Mm -hmm. toward the whole movie. It's like, you know, Sparky, like this happens every year. Um, And, and that's kind of what happens, right? He's the volcano erupts. Yeah. I think it's, this is kind of like eighties Reaganomics time where, Every everyone, it was really trying to keep up with the Joneses. I believe at this time, yeah, it was that fast-paced '80s. Everyone, there was a whole lot of consumer culture and just again, like you're talking about, like stereos were a thing back yeah. then. <laughs> there was stereo advertisements back then, were for basically comparing your stereo to the size of your penis. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like if you don't have these speakers in this stereo system, you're not much of a man. Like let's be honest here. So there was there was that real. I think everyone was trying very hard to conform to a standard back then. I don't, it was post punk rock. It was post hippies. It was post everything. Everyone was just trying to be normal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And pre hipster too. Hmm. So. Well, there was, there was a, an, a period of conformity that uh, came about in the eighties after the seventies and after in the eighties, there was yeah. a lot of like neon and cocaine, but then it all kind of in the 90s, it all kind of, I don't know, everything kind of chilled out. 90s got very cynical, I felt like. Yeah. Grunge. Grunge was very cynical. Um, but Yeah, 90s. Everyone was really depressed in the 90s, I think. Late Goths 80s. showed up in the 90s, yeah, too. People wore shoulder pads. Like, I don't know. It got weird. Well, I, I have a theory about this, actually. Go on. I think certain decades uh, were built on particular drugs. Yeah. So I think the 60s was built on acid. Sure. I think the 70s was built on weed. Yeah. And I think 80s. Incontrovertibly, you tell 
it was cocaine. Oh yeah. Like, the 80s was a, co- a decade built on cocaine. Yeah. The movies, the fashion, everything, the music, just the way things everything. looked. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like, think? Look at the look at the rock and roll stars. Like, are you kidding? Someone on cocaine had to have invented that entire like look and style and everything. Yeah. What do you think? Nineties heroin. Not, yeah, nineties was heroin chic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, real depressing, real kind of like navel gazy, mopey. Two thousands yeah. was like ecstasy, Molly. Yep. Yeah. Party, party drugs. Yep. Where are we now? I don't know where we're at now. I think now we're at prescription drugs. Everyone's everyone is on a prescription yeah, drug. Oxy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like most, I think like forty percent. And of that's people why are some kind that's, of psychoactive. That's why uh, right now is just super weird, depressing. Yeah, we gotta, I might have something with this theory, man. This theory, we gotta find works. a new drug. <laughs> Huey Lewis has one. I want a new drug. Yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> All right. uh, uh, what do you think the new drug is going to be? Are we going to go back to weed? Like weed's legal. Yeah, I think yeah, but weed's like, most people. Weed's like alcohol now. Like everyone does. It. Well, you know what it could be. I think it could be mushrooms. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like psilocybin and. Uh, Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is getting bigger. Joe yeah. Rogan's really pushing for that. So, Joe, come on the podcast. Well, uh, we'll, we'll make a spot for you, Joe. Yeah, come on, talk to us. You're you're good. Apparently, you're quite good at podcasting. Um, yeah, I've seen better. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, all the uh, that's a lot of what people are talking about right now is like microdosing shrooms and and uh, all those Silicon ayahuasca. Valley guys are microdosing. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a lot of effort. Yeah, I, I guess a lot so. of effort. I don't know. Go through my day trying know. to keep a balance of how high I am. I just, I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? Well, I mean, you're creative. You're creative. Do Do you ever feel that the, the microdosing or mushrooms are? Do you feel any of these legal uh, uh, psychedelics enhances your creativity at all? I find that if I ever do mushrooms, I'm just like, is this is how many hours do I got to deal with this? Like. Oh, it's gonna be like eight. Yeah, like I, it's just I, I, I think I don't. I've never been diagnosed, but I think there's a certain level of science of ADD in society these days, where it's like we just don't have eight hours to sit and trip balls. No, we just don't have no. it anymore. Like we got to make OnlyFans content. Mm-hmm. We got to go out there and you know. I got to cook dinner. I got to walk the dog. And I can't do this if I'm tripping balls. I just can't. No. No. I can do it drunk. I can do it yeah. high on pot. Can't sure. can't do it tripping balls. I'll tell you what, though. I took some mushrooms and then went to see the Blade Runner sequel, yeah. 2046. And? And I lost my damn mind. Yeah? I literally lost my mind in the movie. There's a part in the movie where it's the uh, the test. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah, when, when the guys asked him questions during the test, lost my mind. Really? Fully, like, I really didn't think I was going to make it back. I was like, I, I've lost it. I have gone. This is it. But then me. at the very end, when the Elvis showed up, the hologram Elvis, yeah. that kind of snapped me back into a tent. Like, oh, I'm watching a movie. This is right. ridiculous. We're good. You know, but the baseline test, though, fucked me up. Oh, I still think about it sometimes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious with the ayahuasca, but my other problem with the ayahuasca is apparently it gives you diarrhea. Oh, that sucks. So it's like, or you puke. So it's like, do I want to just 
give myself food poisoning for a few hours. Like I did that. Yeah. I did that on Tuesday with some fish. Like oh, I have an ayahuasca story actually. You done it? No, oh. but so I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. He was raving about it. And I was working at Grip at the time. And I had a, a friend of mine. Uh, I was friendly with a guy there. And we realized we were both crazy. Like crazy recognizes crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he was crazier. Well, he thinks I'm crazier than him. But I feel he's crazier than me. Okay. Um, I don't want to say him by name. But anyway, we would have these like two great – like two Kanye West talking to each other. Like eight-hour conversations. You know what I'm talking about? Like just like just, balls, just weird super, stuff. You know? Super anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, Kanye West, except for the anti. Yeah, okay, okay. Just like you know what I mean. Just like going off on these weird directions and stuff. And so, you know, he was having a hard time with his career, as was I, because you know we're crazy. We're crazy people. We have a hard time with careers. Why not? But um, I thought, okay, I'm going to mention this thing ayahuasca to him, thinking that maybe it could help him out. You know what I mean? Show some, bring some clarity to his life, yeah. and maybe kind of like snap him back into place. So I told him about it. He went down there. He did it, and it had the exact opposite. Oh, it, it made, made him crazy. It made, made him crazier. Worse. And now I feel I have a lot of guilt about it now. Actually, I mean, it's a. I, I've heard it's like a whole ordeal. Like you go down and you, you go to like a spa, and, the, and then you, you basically just throw up for four days. Like I. I've heard mixed stuff about. It. I heard the throwing up, and, and, and I've heard. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it. But I sent this poor guy down there, and it made him crazier, Jerry. i got to live with that for the rest of my life. Well, I mean, that's on you, man. <laughs> <sighs> I felt like I, like I was like one of those hot chicks where I was like, I can fix him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's a- yeah weird. <sighs> we've reached the end of the food in vacation there wasn't very much no i think we've milked a lot of co- content out of this anyway we milked, we we milked a lot of reindeers and uh yes, we have. and uh yeah let's food awards you, you yeah you, best use of food best use of food for me was the exploding turkey oh god i'm gonna go with the the eggnog okay because there's something about seeing him angrily chug some eggnog where he's losing his mind yeah. which i thought was really funny great use of eggnog okay Exploding reindeer, or sorry, exploding, <laughs> exploding turkey because uh, uh, it just like it. It was the it, it was the pinnacle of just Christmas falling apart for this guy. Like this movie was about watching a man fall apart with his Christmas, and that was just he was so happy he had it. It looked so beautiful, and then you just to see his his face. When Christmas fell apart for him was just priceless. Perfect Chevy Chase. Yeah, it, it honestly is one of the funniest, like, comedically, one of the funniest uses of food ever in, in film history. It, I, Yeah, super funny, funny moment. Uh, who would you most like to have dinner with? R- Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Okay, where are you going? We need to know. Where am I going with Randy Quaid? I'm going to do yeah. a throwback to Vegas vacation. I'm going to a okay. Vegas, a terrible Vegas buffet with Randy Quaid because that's one of my favorite scenes in any of the vacation movies where he's just like <laughs> scooping random crap onto his like tray. Oh, oh, so funny. One of my favorite scenes. And I want to do that with Randy Quaid. I love Vegas. I love Vegas yeah. buffets. And I love Randy Quaid. Even okay. though he lost going, his mind. 
Oh. Or whatever. Well, I'll bring. I'll send him down to do some ayahuasca and bring him back. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I'm going with uh, uh, yuppie Julia Louis Dreyfus. Fair enough. Because uh, she seemed interesting to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked her. I respect that. <sighs> seemed like she. So she, parting. She seemed like she'd be very bossy in the bedroom. Well, it depends on how uh, your your relationship yeah. really. Uh, I think she'd probably try. Yeah. And depends on how you respond to that. Yeah, so. it depends on what you're yeah. into. Hmm. Well, no, I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> you're married. I don't want to go. We're not going there. Oh, man. Right. So parting thoughts on Christmas Vacation. I mean, this is an iconic film. Yeah. It, it really is. It set the tone. I, I don't remember any Christmas comedies before this. I'm sure there was the the dude with a rifle. That was supposed to be funny. Um, oh, what? Snoopy was supposed to be funny, I guess. Uh, the the, the uh, Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. so much of a comedy as, as I, I put that in a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas right. comedy. Although that movie is funny, this is a whole different, this is a comedy. Right. Well, funny you mentioned that. Uh, I was also reading on Wikipedia that um, after Chris Columbus quit this, the directing gig on this movie because Chevy Chase was a douche. Yeah. John Alleged. Hughes, John Hughes made it up to him by giving him Home Alone to direct, which is also takes place during Christmas. Yeah. So. And then go. he so. and he also discovered America. So you know, good for him. Yeah, that's like number three on the resume, I would say, after uh, Home Alone. Home Alone. He did a Harry and, Potter, uh, didn't he? Did a Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, the first Harry Potter. Yeah. The first one. It was funny about John Hughes is I was thinking about him. He was an ad guy too, actually. He worked in advertising. He was a copywriter. There you go. And the, I, I love the way he attacked his career at Hollywood. He's like, because he just became a, the creative director. Yeah. He's like, here's a script. Okay, you direct it. Yeah. And this is who you're going to cast and this is what it's going to be about. So he would hire directors the way we hire commercial directors. Like, this is our vision. Like a vendor. You execute it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So- and it worked extremely well for him. Like he was way better and more productive as a writer than a writer director. I think, even though he's great as a writer director too. But direction's a pain in the ass, man. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, rate. Uh, ra- parting thoughts. Ratings. Are we giving this a a rating? Right. Yeah, as a as a movie movie. As a movie movie, I gotta go. I gotta go four Jello molds. Okay. So it's the number four, but in a Jello mold. Yeah. Okay. Not four individual Jello molds. No, 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 no. Four, the number four in a Jello mold. And as a food movie, not much of a food movie here. So we got to go with uh, the one Juliette Lewis shaving the carrot. Okay. I will go as a movie movie. I will agree with you as four pints of reindeer semen. And as a food movie, yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, not a ton of food. One exploding turkey. Mm. Kind of just, a, you know, there's some food. The food doesn't really perpetuate the story. Uh, it, no. it's, 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 there's a little comedy around the food, but... Eh. but. But, like, it could have been great because it's about a food scientist and he gets disrespected with a coupon for food. Yeah. Like on paper. And Christmas <laughs> you know, dinner. 
There was a yeah. lot of room for comedy there. They just the, they just yeah. they just didn't do it. That you know what they had the opportunity and they really missed it as far as the food movie goes. I think. Yeah, doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Love it as a film. Great Christmas movie. And uh, to those of you that celebrate, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. We will see you next time with we don't know yet, do we? Uh, probably Home Alone. We want to do it. We want to get two Christmas movies in, right? Nice segue from this. Nice connection to this movie. Trying. Right, to so uh, Christopher Columbus. Uh, he dis- These are spiritually connected, d- these two movies. They are, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Anyway, that's the Food and Movies Podcast, everyone. Thanks for joining us. See ya. All right, good job, Jer. Nicely done.